The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's your From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Hello and what's up, everyone? This is Dave. Welcome back to the Boston Podcast, Greater Boston's only Monday through Friday daily podcast that I've ever heard of. If you've ever heard of one, that's a competing one. Let me know. We welcome the competition, and you can come right down to our studios here at in Westwood, Massachusetts, Pod 617 Studios. You can find out all the info at pod617.com. By the way, you could have your own podcast here. Anyway, this is the, uh, this is the podcast. Welcome to it. I've said that already. It, it's Monday morning, and I'm already repeating myself. My guest, Randy Busson, and I, we, we both admitted that we didn't get full um, nights of sleep last night, right? Right. And that's a drag. <laughs> and it's a Monday. And then there's this whole other story how I had my car was towed yesterday and I had to get it out this morning. And I'm, I'm too, I, I'm not even ready to discuss the particulars of it. Uh, and it, it's just one of those things that no matter how, you could be a multi zillionaire and you could be, you know, the tow fee is like 180 bucks and like big, and like big deal. You would still be an, uh, as annoyed as anything. Nobody likes to get their car towed. It's the nope. worst thing. You say, you say I, got, I just got my car towed and people react as if your cat died. Oh my God! I'm so sorry. You know that's that. Oh, that's such a shame. Anyway, um, yeah, we're typically all over the place to start off the podcast. But Randy Busson is a our career coach, and she's a very impressive person, and she's been doing this for a number of years. She, but she still looks like she's 29 years old. So I don't want you to <laughs> get the wrong generous. idea there. Thank you. <laughs> but we're going to talk to Randy about, among other things, the hidden job market. That's right. If you're wondering where those jobs are that you simply can't find, they're behind the curtain somewhere. Randy is going to tell you about them. So there's a teaser for you, ladies and gentlemen. Before we go any further, I do want to mention our sponsors. United States Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers, the U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. I also want to thank uh, the supporter of this podcast, the company known as Adori, the podcast platform. That's A-D-O-R-I, Adori. By the way, it's an anagram for radio, which is cool because it kind of uh, emulates like why we love radio. It's a platform that you can put your podcast on. You might be listening to it right now. If you're not... Go to, I mean, you're probably, I know you're listening to the podcast right now, listeners. I'm not an idiot, but you could be listening on Apple Podcasts. At some point, do me a solid and try listening to it on the Adori app. So go to the app store on your phone and find Adori, A D O R I. There's only one of them. You download it and they bring your podcast to life. They make them interactive beasts. So, in other words, you'll be listening to this podcast and you'll be seeing images, things that I'm talking about. So, if I just said like peanut butter sandwich, all of a sudden there's a picture of a peanut butter sandwich. What else would be fun? Um, let's see. Uh, Happy Days, the television show Happy Days. Fonzie, okay? Everybody loves Fonzie. Now, if you were listening on the Adori app, you'd be looking at a picture of Fonzie, but there's also other cool stuff, like we can run polls, and if we have this awesome book that we mentioned, we want you to buy it. There can be a link to it. I'm going to tell you about Randy's website, which is aspireforsuccess.com, and if you're listening on the Adori app, AspireForSuccess.com is right there on your phone. Don't click on it yet because it'll take you away from the podcast. But eh, you get the point, people. Anyway, 
So we are uh, we're pretty ready to roll here. Before we go any further, I, I told you very little about Randy. I know it's a mystery, and we're going to get into all that good stuff. But before we go any further, we need to put Randy in the Boston vault because that's what we do. So, Randy, don't be afraid. These men are here to protect us. There's the vault door swinging open, and I think closing. And anyways, it's a scary sound effect. You get the point. So, so you grew up in, in my research uh, tells me you grew up in Longmeadow, Mass, which is another way of saying I asked you about it before the show. Right? 413 area code. The 413. <laughs> shout out to the 413. So let's start with the question about that. Let's start with the question about that. So uh, Longmeadow, I know where it is because my college roommate, shout out Andy Basick, is, is from there. But in a couple of words, how would you describe the town of Longmeadow? where you grew up so it's in western massachusetts it's considered a suburb of springfield um peaceful bucolic uh, very beautiful it's like westwood wellesley very suburban very pretty um so i tend to picture more cows and goats and and horses along the road you don't get too much of that anymore in western mass maybe out by the berkshires but uh springfield area is pretty built up uh, mm-hmm. Even um, up north, like Northampton and Amherst, used to be cow fields and asparagus. And I was just up there recently, and it's just one store after another. How about that? Yeah. And if um, you had uh, a memory of growing up in Longmeadow, well, but it, I mean, it, so so you had a, a happy time there. I mean, let, uh, it's it's suburbia. It's it's uh, anything you remember in particular about that town? Do you happen back there? Not really? I don't go back too often, no. My dad's in (laughs) Springfield, so I don't go to Longmeadow too often. But one of the things, actually, that I remember distinctly, so my dad was working in Northampton Mm -hmm. for many, many years, and he was commuting. And in those days, Route 9 up in Northampton literally was like a dirt road, and there were cows and farms. And Mm -hmm. it's asparagus capital up there. Really? And he would come home with, like, the most amazing white asparagus and really 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 teeny little green ones and they were from the farmers that he would pass on the way home yeah i i'm i'm a fan of asparagus do you like it i love it with a you know side order of you know you have on your steak have some asparagus with it so around that area everybody the the bathrooms must have all smelled weird because you know (laughs) let's not go there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, it's always worth it. It's always worth it for the delicious asparagus. So tell me, uh, you're still in the Boston vault here, and, and we, we're not, we have to answer more questions about Boston. Um, when you travel, do you do, do you do any traveling for business or, or not so much? Yeah, I do a fair amount. Okay. So um, if people ask you, oh, you're from Boston, what, what do you think the misconceptions they have about our city and our area? Right. Like, oh, you're from Boston. You must be blank. So they expect me to have an accent, which I don't. You don't. Because I'm from Western Mass. I don't pack the car. (laughs) And um, they always say, oh, my God, they drive like crazy in Boston. Yeah. And do you drive like crazy? No. Yeah. You have to you have to drive. I remember uh, when I was learning to drive, um, they always teach you drive defensively. Right. That that at least that at the time that was the credo. So in other words, presume that some other idiot is going to screw up and just be ready for the worst. So drive defensively. And I remember my my uh, high school buddy Josh. His dad was this crazy lawyer named Sumner, Sumner Gillette. Crazy in the best way. Very good lawyer, but just kind of uh, nuts. 
and we, he was known as the most daredevil driver around. And he used to drive in this little Volkswagen Cabriolet. And if we were in the back seat or whatever, you know, we'd be afraid for our lives. He would do things like he would he would um, go into a cul-de-sac and start doing these donuts. Not donuts, but like just around and around and around and around until our head spin. But, and he would say, you have to drive offensively. It's not just defensively. You have to drive offensively. Um, are you the type that gets annoyed at other people's Oh, yeah. I have my maneuvers? road rage moments. So what kind of thing will set you off? Somebody that, like, cuts you off, that drives yeah. me crazy. Or they're driving, like, 15 miles an hour, and I have to be somewhere, and you're honking your horn, the and worst. they're not moving. That's the worst. See, I think those people and cause as many accidents as the people going fast, like the slow ones. Yes. Yeah. And when people pa- cut you off, pass you on the left, that bugs me. Yeah. Um, no, they're supposed to pass you on oh, the left. Oh, I meant the right. On the right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that is that is annoying. I was um, I was doing a thing recently. Where was I? Like in Norway or Walpole or something. But I was turning left, and it was two lanes that both were designed to turn left. And I'm in the one on the right. And so I go to turn, and I turn into what I think is the appropriate lane on this new road on which I've just taken a left onto. But the person immediately to my left, they wanted to be in that lane and they thought they were entitled to it and they fly by me and beep and give me the finger all in one swift motion which they you know you have to learn that when you're 16 years old if you grow up in massachusetts but and i actually thought about following him i was so angry and and it's and you know thank goodness i didn't right but so i take it you've never actually like you know uh gotten out of the car and screamed at someone no but i've seen that happen when i lived in paris people will do that oh so what's it like there oh it's crazy yeah, uh, crazy. Same, same kind of deal. Just people. Yeah, and basically, uh, I remember when I was living there, the equivalent of one twenty eight is called the périphérique, and I okay. remember like when it's bumper to bumper, literally the cars are stopped, and the French people are getting out of their cars and screaming in French, right? Like, idiot, <laughs> meld, meld. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I, I don't know any. Like, where are you gonna go? Like, yeah. It, that that's that's always the thing. Some people just want to get out and shout, and they have they have no plan as to what they're going to do later. Did you just lose vo- a volume in your headphones? No, I'm good. No, oh, okay. So just just make it sure the uh, equipment here at Pod Six One Seven is top notch. But every once in a while, a wire will go awry. I hate it when that happens. So okay, uh, favorite restaurant in either Boston proper or really any any uh, anywhere in Mass. We we will accept. I mean, I know this sounds really crazy, but if I have the choice to go anywhere yeah. and somebody's treating, I love to go to Legals. Oh, that's not that's not a crazy answer. That's a good one. Their You're a good fish Bostonian. is amazing. Yeah. Do you get the clam chowder? I don't like clam chowder. Oh, what a shame. It's delicious at, at Legals, I think. Uh, I, like a, I like it to be a little thick. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I don't it. like clam chowder. So I like corn your, chowder. Interesting. See, I'm no corn. Negative on the corn. Yeah. But hey. Uh, Viva la différence, as right. they used to say to you in Paris. So, what um, what's your go? Yeah, what's your go to order at the legals? So I like Arctic char, uh huh, and then chili and sea bass is my absolute favorite. But they don't Hard always have it. Okay, what if you if I saw an Arctic char swim up to me, I wouldn't know what it looked like. Did, it looks it, just it, like it, a salmon. Okay, but okay. it's a milder flavor. And does it swim upstream like the salmon? I have no idea. We don't know. <laughs> If you're an expert on char, why don't you get in touch with us at uh, pod617.com. Okay, final question, and then we'll let you out of the vault. And it's a terrible question, but it's the only one I can think of at the time. 
Uh, do you prefer Matt Damon or Ben Affleck? Or absolutely neither? Neither. Let's move on. <gasps> you are maligning two of the <laughs> shining stars of our entertainment world. Yeah, they're from both this. great, but... Uh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, do you have a favorite celebrity that hails from Boston or a favorite famous person that hails from Boston? Who best represents our, our area? You know, you could go... I mean, there are some musicians, there are politicians, there oh, are... Oh, yeah, like I think um, jazz musician like Pat Metheny or Chick Corea. Pat Metheny's from Boston? Or the or Boston area? I thought he was. No, I, I, I'll take your word for it. I, I just, don't know. I've, I've kind of heard of him past. All right. We accept your answers. We will release you now from the vault. Congratulations Thank you very much. to uh, it Randy Buzzard. Yeah. Um, crowd, crowd appreciates it. Um... Uh, let me take a minute to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. It's the U.S. Postal Service, the second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service. And the USPS wants to develop an advanced career, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at usps.com slash careers. It's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. Website, once again, usps.com. Slash careers, the U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. And speaking of careers, I've got a career coach sitting right across from me, which is awesome. You know, do you mind if we delve into this hidden job market thing first, and then we'll sure, get to other stuff? Ahead. Okay, so I was intrigued because you sent me an email because you were a good doobie and you were like thinking about what we were going to talk about <laughs> on this riveting podcast. Um, and I say that I tried to say that without sarcasm. But uh, tell us what it is. What's the hidden job market? So the hidden job market is basically a market of unadvertised roles right. or roles that may not even ha be available or have come about until a potential hiring manager meets a candidate and creates a specific role just for them. Okay. Versus the public job market, mm -hmm. which is the job market you're most familiar with, which is the role has been budgeted, um, it's being posted. It's advertised. It's advertised. Indeed.com. Yeah, Indeed, yeah. LinkedIn, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now that makes sense to me. And some of the uh, people say the best jobs they've ever got. Like, mm, I guess that that's not necessarily true. Nowadays, there are so many jobs posted. But I feel like the jobs that I've gotten in the past haven't necessarily come from. They've come from, hey, somebody somebody tells you, you know, hey, some, they're looking to hire over there. Um, and then you make a call, and it turns out, yeah, this is a great job available. They didn't, they didn't post it because I don't. I guess they don't need to. Why, yes, like, why don't a they post job. it? So they may not post it because, for example, maybe there's an opening that's going to come about because somebody's going out on leave. Oh right. Or they might be firing someone, but you know they want to kind of keep everything quiet. Or there's a major reorg that's going to happen, and so some new roles are going to be created, or after an acquisition. Yep. So there you go. So, but now, how do you find them then? Well, that's a good question um, mm -hmm. because they're hidden. Yeah. So they're not going to show up on your desk. Um, so how you find them is 
I like to think of it as the twenty the twenty twenty sixty rule for job search. Mm-hmm. So you you should spend twenty percent of your time applying to jobs on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. you never know, mm-hmm. right? Twenty percent of your time working with executive search firms or recruiters. Mm-hmm. You never so, know. We, and by the way, when you said LinkedIn, you meant all online. Yeah, any online community or. We you mentioned know. you mentioned LinkedIn. I mentioned Indeed. Indeed. Are, is Monster still a thing or? You know, it's listed in a lot of the studies that I get that talk about the hidden job market, but we don't use it that much. Yeah, okay. It is Indeed the the, the leading uh, place to find a job? LinkedIn, Indeed, Indeed and LinkedIn. Okay, good. But companies w- may not post on LinkedIn. Right. And what's interesting is I just um, got access to a survey, and I believe it was done um, by Recruiting Trends or one of those organizations that does market research on employment and hidden jobs. And... The first place um, employees will post is on their, or employers will post is on their website, Mm -hmm. which surprised me because I thought it was LinkedIn first. So it's website first, then Indeed, some of those places, and then I believe LinkedIn was in third spot. Okay. All right, so 20% on the online stuff, 20% working with with a recruiter who's going to do work for you. Yep. Tapping the hidden job market. Really? So. It's especially, so the hidden job market is especially important for executives. The more you make, the less you're going to, the less chance you're going to find your job online. Right. So a young college kid, they can work the hidden job market, um, but they might have more success applying to positions online. But if you're making 300,000 or 400,000, your job will never show up online. Yeah. Because they, and, and this was in the study as well, is when companies post positions what kind of positions do they post on their website entry level mm-hmm. and like mid-tier right. they don't post executives right they right. just don't so think about it let's say um staples uh their chief financial officer is going to leave and he's he's resigned how do you think they're going to go about finding another cfo they're going to search for the either i would imagine hire someone to go conduct a search is that they could, or but in a first instance, so, so let's say the CFO reports to the COO. So the COO knows that the CFO is going to leave. The COO walks around to all his like, internal buddies and say, who do you know that might be a good fit for a CFO role? Right. So they're tapping the senior leadership team first. Mm-hmm. Then the COO, who's the hiring manager, might go out to some industry context, so outside of Staples, and say, hey, we're going to have a potential opening. Who do you know that's a C-level finance person that we can talk to? If they generate enough interest in those two avenues, jobs never posted, ever. Right. If they can't, then they may go look through the resume database that they have and see if they had been in touch with someone before and they can generate someone that way. Mm -hmm. If so, never posted. They might not go to a recruiter next. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll go to a professional association like, let's just say, the American Association of Chief Financial Officers, and they'll post it on that website. Oh, cool. And that's not really a public offering because you can only find out about that job if you're a member of that association. So you're still Mm -hmm. in the hidden job market. Mm -hmm. It's only when they've tapped all those avenues and they can't find anything do they go out and spend money on recruiters. Okay. 
Yeah, because why? Because they, if they, um, I guess you know, if they're worth their salt, and the higher ups at the organization are worth their salt, and and they all have interest in getting someone great. They'll tap their own right. networking. And for it. executives, I think the number, I don't have the, the exact number. I think um, companies, only 7% of roles are filled through executives. Yep, right. It's um, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like when I remember when I got out of law school, this was back in 93, and there were people, or even when I got out of college in 90, but whatever, like the when you're a young person seeking a job, and you want there to be this system where you just kind of sign up and then you get so many interviews and then you get so many offers and then you pick your job. But it, it's frustrating to learn as a young person that that doesn't work. And, we, you know, in my I remember in my off campus apartment in college, the senior year, kids used to post their rejection letters and there were tons of them. And they would send send out and people used to do this a lot in law school too. send out like I, I think one year, one uh, time I actually sent out 300 letters and. It, and thinking, well, 300 letters, so I'll get, you know, 20 interviews and I'll get two offers or three offers or whatever. And no, you get zero. Um, it, it, they, they don't, people aren't going to, uh, these companies aren't going to respond to unsolicited, you know, queries like that, right? No. So, so, how, do, so how do you get in on, on it then? So to tap the executive or the hidden job market, what I typically am working on with an executive, so let's say this, um, the executive I'm working with is a chief financial officer. I will have them come up with me, you know, two industries they want to work in, and mm-hmm. we target those. So we'll have a conversation, and I'll say, you know, what's the number one industry in which you want to work? And they say life sciences. Great. Number two, technology. Great. Number three, higher ed. Then I have that executive, and often I have to guide them, put a targeted list together of 25 employers in life sciences, 25 in high tech, and 25 in higher ed that they want to work for. Mm-hmm. And there are many tools to be able to build these lists. You can use Boston Business Journals. They have the book of lists. The, the library has other resources. So I, I oftentimes in building the list with the client. And then we take the employers on that list and we go one by one into LinkedIn and we try to find a connection that they might have a first or a second degree connection. Mm -hmm. So that's using the advanced searching tools on LinkedIn very extensively to try to find a contact to then have a conversation and learn more about that company and find out, is that a company I'd even want to work for? So and if so, you know, how do I maneuver my way around? So th- this is what you do with your clients. I do, and this is a and, lot of work. And so when you say go on to LinkedIn, you're, you're helping them mine their own LinkedIn contacts. There, sometimes I'll mine mine. Sometimes yours too. Okay. I mean, I've done several thousand people, so I do have a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically I'm logged in with them, mm-hmm. and we go and mine their database on LinkedIn. Now, if the executive only has 200 contacts on LinkedIn, one of the first things I'm doing with them before we're even doing this is they need to get it up over 500. Oh, yeah. So I'm teaching them how to do that, mm-hmm. and I'm telling them that you, you're not going get, to get anywhere if you don't have under 500, because the more first degrees, you know, the more second, the more third, and that's how you get into companies. Yeah. So that's one way. The other way, obviously, is letting your whole network know 
what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And then I also do value proposition letters with clients. So we might do a direct mail to some of those companies on our list. So Mm -hmm. we'll find out who the hiring manager is. We'll find out maybe what some of the challenges are that that company is going through. And we put together a pitch letter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... um that's that's I think think a lot of people get overwhelmed by LinkedIn. They're like, I don't know how to use it. There's like, you know, there are a zillion names on there. I don't know where to begin. But to me, it's always been the best way to get a fruitful introduction that could lead to something. Whether it's you want your whether you're uh, some kind of uh, professional is looking for clients to build your client base or to find mm-hmm. people who are potential potential you know uh, referral sources for you. Um, you know, just to, to go on to LinkedIn and to find someone who does exactly what you do or the kind of person you exactly want to meet, that's one thing. But then it's so, as long as you're active on LinkedIn, it's so easy. I mean, I think, I don't think I'm that much of a big shot to find someone that's connected to that person. And then it's simple as saying, hey, Bob, would you mean, would you mind making an introduction on my behalf to Mary, right? right? Is that the sort of thing you It is, but you're making a big assumption because a lot of people do not know how to use the advanced searching tools on LinkedIn. Yeah. So LinkedIn is very powerful in terms of all the filters that you can use to search and how you can tap into alumni and all these different things. And I would say almost every one of my clients is unaware of that. And they're really surprised when I show them how to do it. They're like, wow, I had no idea. So when you say advanced search, you mean um, using certain criteria to find the exact type of job you're looking for? So if I were looking... um, to work at Staples, and I put Staples in the search box on yep. LinkedIn, mm-hmm. it's going to come up and it's going to tell me several things. It's going to hit the Staples uh, company page on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and it's going to tell me there are you know 6,000 employees that work for Staples. Mm-hmm. And there's a link, so you can click on that link, and then you can use the advanced searching tools to look for first-degree sessions connections or second degree or Boston only or job title. So there's all these different fields that you can search on. It will also tell me five alumni from your school work there. Yeah. So now you got another in. That's another one. Mm -hmm. So you can work that whole, um, what I would call search box on LinkedIn, but then you can also work the alumni piece Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can call up other people that way by working the alumni avenue. So when you find someone, tell me what, I mean, I sort of gave my quick and dirty strategy, like to ask for that introduction, but what, what kind of advice do you give to someone who's like, they're looking to get in touch with the the key person at Staples and they know someone who knows this person. So now what happens? Yeah. So that's where it's a little tricky because you can't ask for, you know, can you carry my resume to so-and-so? You can't ask someone you don't know that. But what you can do, and I do this with clients, is I have them put together like a one-page mini marketing plan that they can share with their networking contacts. And it'll be, you know, these are the job titles I'm looking for. These are the three industries I'm looking in. Here are some sample companies. And have a discussion with somebody. Hey, these are the firms I'm targeting in life sciences. You know, what do you think of this list? Who should I add? Who should I take off? So you're, you're going for advice, what we call air advice, information, and other referrals. Mm -hmm. That's what you're really doing in that first level uh, conversation or finding out what some of the challenges are that the organization is dealing with. So that when you write that value proposition letter, you're, you're targeted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So you get some good success stories. You get people who say, you know, Randy, thank you so much for saving my career or whatnot. Yeah, I do. And I do get people who find jobs through the hidden job market. I actually had one client I was working with. I think he was in Texas and he was in technology and I taught him this whole thing and he was a great networker and he actually managed to get two or three offers. Several of the roles were not even defined. So that's one of the benefits of the hidden job market is you meet a potential hiring manager. They love XYZ in your background and they create a role to tap a particular skill set that you have. And that's ideal because there's no competition. Mm-hmm. And then you can negotiate more in terms of salary and benefits, things like that. Do you also coach up people on things like um, interview techniques? Yes. Okay. So what, what, um, what's the most common mistake people make when they go into a job interview? They don't research the company mm. at all. Okay. And they're not prepared. And the person they're meeting with as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Let me, and I'm, you, you can tell me how I screwed up. I'm going to tell you how I screwed up, but then, but then I want to hear what you have to say on this, on this particular topic. But when I was, um, yeah, I was in law school and I got a job interview through a friend of mine. Um, dad was a lawyer and had his own firm. And she said, yeah, I'll introduce you. And so I'm like, great, I got a, I got a job interview. And so I knew who this guy was, the dad. And, and I had looked up where he went to school. So I knew a little bit about him. So I go in there, and but what what I neglected to uh, figure out was there was a second person I was meeting with, and they had probably even told me over the phone, "You're going to meet with this second person." And the second person turns out to be more important than the dad that I knew, because he's the one who's really going to be working with this new hire. And <clears throat> as it turns out, the guy went to uh, University of Pennsylvania and BU Law School, both of my alma alma mater. What's the plural of alma mater? Alma matres or something. Anyway, uh, and I didn't know. I didn't know. And it only came up in conversation. And then I kind of looked at him and I said, I'd like to start this interview over again. I should have known. We went to the same schools. And he's like, yeah, don't sweat it. Uh, I didn't get the job. So (laughs) I'm prepared. Yeah, I would say that um, I do a lot of interview prep with clients. And I'm pretty rigorous with my interview prep. Um, People do not know how to answer interview questions and pitch themselves. Um, And I use behavioral-based interviewing techniques to teach people how to not only talk about what you've done, but what's the ROI that you delivered, the value add, and how Mm. to pitch yourself in an interview, especially if the interviewer is young and Mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of experience, and you have to be able to sell yourself. Right. So, um, you do, you you research. What else can you learn about a person? That what you should know, what should you know about a person before you sit down with them? You should know. I take it general background, what they do, where they went to school. Anything else? Um, yeah. I mean, typically, I'll have people pull up their LinkedIn profile. We'll read what's in their about section. Um, oftentimes, people include some personal information or hobbies or things that they're doing um, in their industry that you might want to know about. Um, then we go on the website. We'll pull their bio. We'll do a Google search, see what else comes up, see if there's sure. any press. Any articles, yeah. Articles. We'll go. Um, most people don't do this. I always go to the press section on a company's website mm. and pull up the announcement of when that person came on to see what was the reason why they hired that person? There's usually a reason. Contextually, yeah. there's a reason. Yeah. Um, 
find out who might who they might know who your mutual connections are on LinkedIn so you have something to talk about with them. Yeah, imagine what a home run it is if you sit down with someone and say, "Hey, do you know, you know, Stacy Stacy Jones?" And it's like, "Stacy Jones, you know, we worked together for 10 years at the DA's office and I love her and blah blah blah." And then, you know, your interview's off to a, a flying start. I like to Google people's it, it's it seems obvious, but Google people's email addresses so Mm -hmm. if you have their email address you know which i'm sure you do that's not hard to find right if you google that there's just stuff that will come up that might not necessarily came up if you just googled their name like it could be you know they they served on this board and Mm -hmm. or they were doing this fundraiser and and now you might get a glimpse into some of their passions uh the other one i like to do is go to just go to Facebook and see if you can find them on Facebook because then, then now you're going to know something about their family. You might know what their favorite band is. <laughs> you know, I mean, who knows what else? A lot of people leave their Facebook uh, page just open, you know. So, um, and I guess the you, we can debate whether that's wise or not, <laughs> but, right? right? So, uh, so you get into the interview and, you know, you're armed with this info. You don't want to, like, dump it on someone, right? You don't want to be like, hey, you know these three people that I know, and how do you recommend you weave that in? Well, typically in the beginning of the interview, there's a little bit of chit-chat. Chit-chat, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, we both have Chuck in common. So yes, I might shout out Chuck, attorney Chuck Rodman. Chuck, yes. Chuck Rodman, greatest yeah. employment attorney in the Boston area. I agree, area. yes. Um, so I would say to you, oh, Dave, um, I saw that you and I are connected to Chuck. How do you know Chuck? Yeah. Well, I was uh, his camp counselor and um, basically changed his diapers, you know, from, <laughs> which was weird because he was 13 years old at the time. No, yes, uh, everything's true except for the diapers part. Yes, right. So you can weave yeah. it in that way right. or, you know, there's always opportunities to have a little chit-chat in an interview. And mm-hmm. it certainly helps the interviewee fo- feel more comfortable without just jumping right into the questions. Right. Or at the end, you know, thank you so much for your time. And, oh, by the way, hey, I saw that, you know, you know Chuck Rodman. You know, how do you know him? I'd love to say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and then, I mean, who knows, you know, I mean, sometimes you might take a chance. At, cause just because someone's connected on LinkedIn doesn't mean they know them. I don't know if that's happened to you. It's happened to oh, me yeah. many of times. Course. It's be like, how well do you know, you know, uh, Jane Johnson? And the person's like, I've never heard of that person. <laughs> I said, well, you are connected on LinkedIn. And then it's like, oh, yeah. You know, maybe seven years ago at a conference, I must have met this person once. But then sometimes you also get the home run. You also get the, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that person very well. You know, they're my neighbor, former coworker, or whatever it is. Um, excellent. And so you got through all that. And then um, what are mistakes people make? Uh, well, let me ask you this. Actually, this is what I was going to ask you before. Sorry. Uh, you're coaching a person up on prepping, right? Um, what, how do you? It, this must be tough because some people, I don't know how to put it, but without sounding mean spirited, but some people you meet them and they just rub you the wrong way. There's something about their personality that is just uh, halting or maybe too much. Like I've known people who are like too like salesy, like ah. Do you have honest conversations with your clients and tell them mm, you got to tone it down yeah. or change deodorant or whatever it may be? <laughs> yeah, I do have to have those hard conversations What's with that people. Like? Yeah. Um, and I'll just say to them, you know, would it be okay if I shared some feedback? It might be hard to hear, but I think it's important. Um, some people do not want to hear it. I've been fired a couple times. Really? Yep. So, th- th- and that, that would strike me as foolish. In other words, they're insulted. Yeah. You're just trying to help them. That's crazy. And I get a lot of folks who are really anxious 
about finding a job for whatever reason. They're laid off, the wife doesn't work or the husband doesn't work and they're concerned about money and their anxiety is so palpable, it is scary because okay. I feel it. Um, and I, and they're, they're stressing me out. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, if you're doing this with me, can you imagine what's going on in the interview? Or incredibly negative, like Debbie Downer, negative, you know, mm-hmm. depressed, victim mentality. Like no employer wants to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. The, right. And, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. right. And I think we've all we've all done it. By the way, we are we are up against the clock here. Do you have maybe five more minutes? Oh Randy? yeah, I'm fine. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it was my Fitbit reminding me to move my. Oh butt. really? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I haven't was... been taking any steps, so it was reminding me. I wish we had more room in the studio. You and I could do a lap, but it's 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 a pretty small space. Yeah, I mean, when you soundproof the room, you get well. Anyway, you should come down and check it out. Pod six one seven dot com studios. Okay, enough plugging. But um, oh geez, what were we saying? Um, I've lost my train of thought. It has left the station, people. It happens once in a while. I just turned 50 uh, last year, and um, oh, the, synapses, the synapses are not firing as, as, as much as they should. But um, so, no, we were talking. Uh, I'm back now. We were talking, we were talking about, about interviewing. About, yeah, and, 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 interview that, and that tough conversation you have with, with people. And, um, you know, yeah, some people. So it, it, it's just weird that people are afraid of that tough love because you think and sometimes it's <laughs> uh this my brain is on the 12 second delay i just finally remembered what i was going to say before i'm okay everybody don't worry dave is not dead thank you yeah all right i'm okay i don't need that sort of immediate affirmation it's not why i keep that sound effect on the board but what i was going to say was we've all been there in terms of i have definitely gone into job interviews or gone into uh, presentations or some situation and for whatever reason in the back of my head I think it's not going to go well I just and, and what and inevitably it doesn't go well so do you you can you you uh, are direct with people about that you're like you're like hey if you go in and you think you're gonna fail you're gonna fail right yeah and a lot of people are negative and sometimes I have them write affirmations to try to you know switch that circuitry in the brain to start thinking more positively mm-hmm. because if you think you're going to fail you will. Yeah. I mean you get what you put out. Mm-hmm. So and I have to have a lot of folks you know really I have to work with them on shifting their um their mindset, approach and their right? mindset yeah. because yeah. they're so negative. Um so do you enjoy what you do? I love it. Best job ever. Why? Because I get to help people, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that. I meet the most amazing people. Uh, we didn't talk much about career change, but I do a lot of work with people changing careers, especially lawyers. Oh, nice. Um, and when I do career change work with people, I really find out much deeper information and more information about them than job search. And I hear people's stories, and I love that. And... I'm successful with people. I tell them failing is not an option. How long do you, how long is the typical engagement with you if that's the word? I don't know. How long do you typically- 3 to 6 months? Okay. And then I take it there are some people who will check back and have you have you worked with clients on more uh, a particular client on more than one jo- career uh, change? Yeah, I, lot, well, right? career change, job search. Job change, yeah. Um all kinds. I've had some clients 4 or 5 times. Really? 
those are the good clients, the ones that get fired yeah. all the time. No, they don't get fired. <laughs> they, they decide they want to do something differently, and they come Bigger back better, every yeah. five or seven years, and then they want to think about an early retirement career option. And So I, I have a lot of repeat business. Cool. Well, we didn't get to everything, but maybe we'll have to have you back on the show sometime, Randy. Did you enjoy yourself? I, I did hope. have a good time. Again, it's Randy Busson. Her last name, by the way, B-U-S-S-I-N. Just one N at the end? One N. All right. I got it right. Whew. Uh, AspireForSuccess.com is where you find all kind of information. Can I give out your email address? It's, I've got it right there on the yeah, board. Sure. See? You know why, Randy? Because I prepared at least a little. Uh, it's Arbussin, R-B-U-S-S-I-N, at AspireForSuccess.com. And you should get in touch with Randy if uh, you're thinking of that career change or job change or what have you. Now you know the secret to her success. So, um Ain't that cool. And by the way, thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Thanks once again to supporters of the show, the U.S. Postal Service, and Adori. Adori, go go to the uh, App Store. Do yourself a favor and download the Adori app and start exploring all the cool podcasts they have. Not necessarily produced here at pod617.com, but uh, this podcast is on there. And you'll uh, really enjoy that interactive podcast, which is so cool. Um, on behalf of Randy Busson, this is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. Oh, I forgot to say, geez, I'm doing the tagline without doing my normal end stuff. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Hit that share button. Hit the like button. Throw us a little juju. Throw us a little mojo. And uh, we appreciate it. Enjoy your day. For Randy, this is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. You must be the other guy. I'm gonna